celiac disease. Celiac disease is an autoimmune condition caused by sensitivity to the protein gluten. It is thought to affect around 1% of the UK population. Repeated exposure leads to villous atrophy, which in turn causes malabsorption. Conditions associated with celiac disease include dermatitis herpetiforms. It's a vesicular peripatetic skin eruptive or eruption and autoimmune disorders like type 1 diabetes mellitus and autoimmune hepatitis. Celiac disease is strongly associated with HALA-DQ2 in 95% of patients and HALA-DQ8 in 80%. NICE issued guidelines on the investigation of celiac disease. They suggest that the following patients should be screened for celiac. Most patients, if signs and symptoms of number one, chronic or intermittent diarrhea, number two, failure to thrive or faltering growth in children, number three, persistence or unexplained gastrointestinal symptoms including nausea and vomiting, number four, prolonged fatigue, tired all the time, number five, recurrent abdominal pain, cramping or distension, number six, sudden or unexpected weight loss, number seven, unexplained iron deficiency anemia or other unspecified anemia if one of these conditions number one autoimmune thyroid disease number two dermatitis herpetiforms which as we said it was vesicular peripatetic skin eruption number three if the patients have irritable bowel syndrome number four type one diabetes number five first degree first degree relatives like parents or sibling or children with celiac disease complications of celiac disease number one anemia iron <coughs> Iron, folate, and vitamin B12 deficiency. Folate deficiency is more common than vitamin B12 deficiency in celiac disease. Number two, hypospadinism. Number three, osteoporosis or osteomalacia. Number four, lactose intolerance. Number five, enteropathy associated T cell lymphoma of a small intestine. Number six, subfertility, unfavorable pregnancy outcomes. Number seven, which is rare, cervical cancer or other malignancies. So what is the investigation of celiac disease? <coughs> diagnosis, <coughs> sorry, diagnosis is made by combination of immunology and duodenal biopsy. Villous atrophy and immunology normally reverse on a gluten-free diet. So, NICE issued guidelines on the investigation of a celiac as below. If, as below. if patients are already taking a gluten-free diet, they should be asked if possible to reintroduce gluten for at least six weeks prior to testing immunology number one tissue tissue transglutaminase antibodies it's are immunoglobulin a our first choice according to nice number two endomasial antibodies also immunoglobulin a needed to look for selective immunoglobulin a deficiency which would give a false negative celiac result number three anti-gliadine antibodies immunoglobulin a or immunoglobulin g tests are not recommended by nice and the last one is anti-casein antibodies are also found in some patients Due to the biopsy, we will find villous atrophy, cryptohyperplasia, cryptohyperplasia, or number three, increase in an intraepithelial lymphocyte and lamina propria infiltration with lymphocytes. Rectal gluten challenge has been described but is not widely used. What is the management of a celiac disease? The management of a celiac disease involves a gluten-free diet. Gluten-containing cereals include wheat like bread, pasta or pastry, barley like beer, whiskey is made using malted beer barley, 
proteins such as gluten are however removed during the distillation process making it safe to drink for patients with celiac disease number three dry number four oats some patients with celiac disease appear to able to tolerate oats there are some notable foods which are gluten free include like rice or potato or corn Tissue trans glutaminase antibodies may be checked to check compliance with a gluten-free diet. Immunizations patients with celiac disease often have a degree of functional hypospelonism. For this reason, all patients with celiac disease are offered the pneumococcal vaccine. Celiac UK recommended that everyone with celiac disease is vaccinated against pneumococcal infection and has a post-dose every five years. Current guidelines suggest also giving the influenza, the influenza vaccine on an individual basis. Thanks. Small bowel bacterial overgrowth syndrome. Small bowel bacterial overgrowth syndrome is a disorder characterized by excessive amounts of bacteria in the small bowel resulting in gastrointestinal symptoms. Risk factors for small bowel bacterial overgrowth syndrome number one, neonates with congenital gastrointestinal abnormalities number two, scleroderma number three, diabetes mellitus. It should be noted that many of the features of a lab with irritable bowel syndrome number one, chronic diarrhea number two, bloating or flatulence number three, abdominal pain. Diagnosis by number one, hydrogen breath test or number two, small bowel aspiration and culture this is used less often and invasive as it invasive and results are often difficult to re- reproduce number three clinicians may sometimes give a course of antibiotics as a diagnostic trial management correction of underlying disorder number two antibiotic therapy like rifamxin is now treatment of choice due to relatively low resistance coamoxiclav or metronidazole are also effective in the majority of patients so small bowel bacterial overgrowth syndrome is a disorder characterized by excessive amounts of bacteria in the small bowel resulting in gastrointestinal symptoms risk risk factor for it is number one neonate with congenital gastrointestinal abnormalities so it's a big chance to have a bacterial overgrowth syndrome in the small bowel number two scleroderma and number three diabetes mellitus it should be noted that many of the features of a lab with irritable bowel syndrome like chronic diarrhea or bloating or flatulence or abdominal pain diagnosis is done by number one hydrogen breath test number two small bowel aspiration and culture this is used with less often as invasive and results are often difficult to reproduce number three clinic clinicians may sometimes give a course of antibiotic as a diagnostic trial management correction of underlying orders number two antibiotic therapy like rifampicin rifaximin is now the treatment of a choice due to relatively low resistance coamoxiclav or metronidazole are also effective in the majority of patients mal thanks malabsorption Malabsorption is characterized by diarrhea, steatorrhea, and weight loss. Causes may be broadly divided into intestinal, like villous atrophy, or pancreatic, like deficiency of pancreatic enzyme production or secretion. And the last cause is biliary, like deficiency of biliary source needed for emulsification of fats. So, the intestinal causes of malabsorption number one, celiac disease. Number two, chronic disease, Crohn's disease. Number three, tropical sprue. Number four, Weibel's disease. Number five, Gardeiro's, and number six, brush border enzyme deficiencies like lactase insufficiency. Pancreatic causes of malabsorption are chronic pancreatitis or cystic fibrosis or pancreatic cancer. Biliary causes of malabsorption are biliary obstruction or primary biliary or primary biliary cirrhosis. 
other causes, bacterial overgrowth like systemic sclerosis or diverticulary or blind loop. Number two, tooth bone syndrome. And number three, lymphoma. So there are causes of malabsorption, intestinal or pancreatic or pilary or other intestinal celiac, Crohn, tropical sprue, Wickel's disease, Gardiaz or transporter enzyme deficiencies like lactase insufficiency, pancreatic causes of malabsorption, chronic pancreatitis, cystic fibrosis or pancreatic cancer, biliary causes of malabsorption or pilary obstruction or primary pilary cirrhosis, other causes like bacterial overgrowth, overgrowth systemic sclerosis, diverticular blind loop or short bowel syndrome or Thanks. Malnutrition. Malnutrition is an important consequence of and contributor of and contributor to chronic disease. It is clearly a complex and multifactorial problem that can be difficult to manage, but there are a number of key points to recommend for the exam. Nice define malnutrition as the following the number one body mass index of less than eighteen point five O Unintentional weight loss greater than 10% within the last 3 to 6 months or body mass index of less than 20 and unintentional weight loss greater than 5% within the last 3 to 6 months. Around 10% of patients aged over 65 years are malnourished, the, the vast majority of those living independently not in hospital or care or nursing homes. Screening for malnutrition is mostly done using must. Mustard's malnutrition universal screen tool. So it should be done on admission to care or nursing home and hospital or if there is concern. For example, an elderly in patients with pressure shoes. Number two, it takes into account body mass index, recent weight change, and the presence of acute disease. Number three, categorize patients into low, medium, and high risk. Management of malnutrition is difficult, but NICE recommends the following points. Number one, dietitian support if the patient is high risk. Number two, food first approach with clear instructions at full fat cream to mesh potato rather than just prescribing oral nutritional supplements such as Insure. Insure. If oral nutritional supplements are used, they should be taken between meals rather than instead of meals. So this is malnutrition. So malnutrition is an important consequence of and contributor to chronic disease. It is clearly a complex and multifactorial problem that can be difficult to manage and there are a number of key points to remember for the exam. Nice define malnutrition as the, as the following. Body mass index of less than 18.5 or unintentional weight loss greater than 10% within the last 3 to 6 months or body mass index less than 20 and unintentional weight loss greater than 5% within the last 3 to 6 months. Around 10% of patients aged over 65 years are malnourished. The vast majority of those living independently, not in hospital to care or care or nursing homes. Screening for malnutrition is mostly done using must. Must is malnutrition universal screen tool. It should be done on admission to care or nursing home and hospital or if there are any, or if there is concern. For example, an elderly thin patient with a pressure sore. I take into account body mass index, recent weight change, and the present presence of acute disease. Categorize patients into low, medium, and high risk. Management of malnutrition is difficult, but nice. Comment the following points: dietitian support if the patient is high risk. Food first approach with clear instructions. Add full fat cream to mashed potato rather than just prescribing oral nutritional supplements such as Insure. 
if oral nutritional supplements are used, they should be taken between meals rather than instead of meals. Thanks. Obesity, bariatric surgery. The use of bariatric surgery in the management of obesity has developed significantly over the past decade. It is now recognized that for many obese patients who fail to lose weight with lifestyle and drug interventions, the risk and expense of long-term obesity outweigh those of surgery. Nice guidelines of on bariatric surgery for adults consider surgery for people with severe obesity even. They have body mass index of 40 kg per meter square or more or between 35 and 40 and other significant disease, for example, type 2 diabetes mellitus or hypertension. That could be improved if they lost weight. Number two, all appropriate non-surgical measures have failed to achieve or maintain adequate clinically beneficial weight loss for at least six months. Number three, they are receiving or will receive intensive specialist management. Number four, they are generally fit for anesthesia and surgery. Number five, they commit to the need for long-term follow-up. Consider surgery as a first-line option for adults with a body mass index for more of more than 50 kg per m square in whom surgical intervention is considered appropriate, considered all the steps before surgery if the waiting time is long. Type of bariatric surgery, primarily restrictive, laparoscopic adjustable gastric banding or sleeve gastrectomy. In sleeve gastrectomy will remove 80% of the stomach. Number two of the type of bariatric surgery is primarily malabsorptive. It's classic Biuropancreatic diversion has now largely been replaced by biuropancreatic diversion with duodenal shift. In biuropancreatic diversion, as a portion of the stomach are removed, the small pouch remains connected directly to the final segment of the small intestine. There are common channels remain to secrete bile and pancreatic juice. Number three of the types of mixed is mixed, which is raw and why gastric bypass surgery. Which operation? Laparoscopic adjustable gastric banding less weight loss than malabsorption or mixed procedure, but as it has fewer complications, it is normally the first line intervention in patients with body mass index 3 to 3 th- from 30 to 38. Patients with a body mass index more than 40 may be considered for gastric bypass or sleeve gastrectomy. The latter may be done as a sole procedure or as initial procedure prior to bypass. Number three, primarily malabsorptive procedure are usually reserved for very obese patients which is mild but with body mass index more than 60. So, obesity or bariatric surgery, the use of bariatric surgery in the management of obesity has developed significantly over the last decades. Nice guidelines on bariatric surgery for adults are consider surgery for people with severe obesity if they have body mass index of 40 kg per meter square or more or between 35 to 40 and they have another significant disease like for example type 2 diabetes or hypertension and that could be improved if they lost weight number two all appropriate non-surgical measures have failed to achieve or maintain adequately clinically beneficial weight loss for at least six months number three they are receiving or will receive intensive specialist management and they are generally fit for anesthesia and surgery and they commit to the need of long-term follow-up consider surgery as a first-line option for adults with body mass index for more than 50 kilo in whom surgical intervention is considered appropriate or considered or restricted before surgery if the waiting time is long types of bariatric surgery primarily restrictive or 
primarily malabsorptive or mixed, primarily restrictive, it's laparoscopic, adjustable, gastric bending, or sleeve gastrectomy. Primarily malabsorptive, classic biuropancreatic diversion has now gradually been replaced by biuropancreatic diversion with duodenal switch. Mixed row and Y gastric bypass surgery, which operation laparoscopic adjustable gastric band. Bending is less uh, procedural, less weird, less than malabsorptive or mixed procedure, but as it has fewer complications, it is normally the first line intervention in patients with a body mass index from 30 to 38 kilo per meter square. If patient with a body mass index more than 40 may be considered for gastric bypass or sleeve gastrectomy, the latter may be done as a sole procedure or as an initial procedure prior to bypass. Primarily, Malabsorption procedures are usually received for very obese patients like passing body mass index more than 60. Abdominal pain There are unusual and medical causes of abdominal pain to be also remembered like myocardial infarction or diabetic ketoacidosis or pneumonia or acute intermittent porphyria or lead poisoning. Acute intermittent porphyria is a partial deficiency of the enzyme called the hydroxymethyl Pylene synthesis, or as known as porphyropyrinogen, porphyropyrinogen deaminase, so it's mid accumulation of porphyria precursor. Though, what are the abdominal causes of abdominal pain? Number one, thick ulcer disease. A characteristic exam feature if duodenal ulcers are more common than gastric ulcer and epigastric pain is relieved by eating. If gastric ulcers, epigastric pain worsened by eating. Features of upper gastrointestinal hemorrhage may be seen like hematemesis or myelina. Number two, appendicitis appendicitis pain initiated in the central abdomen before localizing in the right iliac fossa. Anorexia also is common in the tachycardia or low grade pyrexia or tenderness in the right iliac fossa. There are signs which is called Robzing signs. Robzing sign is more pain in the right iliac fossa than in the left iliac fossa when palpating the left iliac fossa. Acute pancreatitis usually due to alcohol or gallstones. There are severe epigastric. Epigastric pain vomiting is common when with acute pancreatitis. Examination may reveal tenderness or areas or low grade fever. Peri umbilical discoloration, which is called Collins sign, and flank discoloration, which is called the Great Turner sign, it's described, but it's rare. Number four of abdominal pain are biliary colic. Biliary colic is pain in the right upper quadrant, reaching to the back and interscapular region, maybe following a fatty meal. Slight misnomer as pain may persist for hours. Obstructive dunes may cause pale stool and dark urine. It is sometimes told that patients are female, forties, fat and fair. This is obviously a generalization. Number five, acute cholecystitis and acute cholecystitis is inflammation of the gallbladder. History of gallstone symptoms see above like pediatric colic or and continuous right upper quadrant pain. We will find fever, is the inflammatory markers and white cells. We will find Murphy signs positive. Murphy signs are rest of inspiration on palpation of the right upper quadrant. Number six of abdominal pain is diverticulitis. It's a colic pain typically in the left lower quadrant. It will fever, there's the inflammatory markers and white cells. Number seven, abdominal aortic aneurysm. It's a very central abdominal pain radiating to the back. Presentation may be catastrophic, like sudden collapse or subacute persistence, severe central abdominal pain with developing truck. Number three, patients may have a history of cardiovascular disease. And number eight, of the last one, of the abdominal pain is intestinal obstruction. We have find history of malignancies or previous operations. Number two is the vomiting. Number three, not open pals recently. 
and the ten cleanse bowel sounds. So there are the causes of the abdominal pain. There are medical causes rather than in the abdomen, like recurrent infarction or diabetic ketoacidosis or pneumonia or acute intermittent porphyria or lead poisoning. And other condition in the abdomen, like in one peptic ulcer disease, they are duodenal ulcer or gastric ulcers. Duodenal ulcers are more common than gastric ulcers. Epigastric pain revealed by eating. In gastric ulcers, epigastric pain worsened by eating. Features of upper gastrointestinal hemorrhage may be fine in gastric ulcers like hematemesis or melina, etc. But two appendicitis. Appendicitis pain initial in the central abdomen before localizing in the right iliac fossa. Anorexia is common. Tachycardia or like pyrexia or tenderness in the right iliac fossa will find in the appendicitis also rough zinc sign, which is more pain in the right iliac fossa than in the left when we palpitate the left iliac fossa. Number three, acute pancreatitis usually due to alcohol or gold stones. And there are severe epigastric pain. Vomiting is common. Examination may reveal tenderness, illness, and low grade fever. Peri and pericardial discoloration, which is called Collins sign, and Length discoloration is called greater sign. It's described, but it's rare. Before biliary colic pain in the right upper quadrants, radiating through the back and into the scapular region, may be following a fatty meal, slight misnomer as the pain may persist for hours. But to, uh, and uh, they have obstructive joints may cause pale stool and recurrent. It is sometimes taught that the patient are female forties, fat and fair. Also, there is a Obviously, a generalization. Five of the abdominal pain causes of abdominal pain is acute cholecystitis, which is inflammation of the gallbladder. We'll find history of the gallstone symptoms, like we just discussed, and continuous right upper quadrant pain, fever, or these inflammatory markers, and white cells. Murphy sign is positive, which is a risk of inspiration or own population of the right upper quadrant. Number six, diverticulitis. We have colic pain typically in the left lower quadrant, fever, wrist, inflammatory markers, and white cells. Number seven, abdominal aortic aneurysm is severe central abdominal pain leading to the back. Presentation may be catastrophic, sudden collapse, or subacute. Presentation central, severe central abdominal pain with a developing shock, and patient may have history of cardiovascular disease. And standard obstruction history of malignancies or previous operation. Vomiting not opened bowel recently and the ten current bowel sound. Thanks. Goldstones. Up to twenty four percent of women and twelve percent of men may have goldstones. Of these up to thirty percent may develop local infection and cholecystitis. In patients subject to surgery, 12% will have stones contained within the common bile duct. The majority of gold stones are of a mixed composition, 50% with pure cholesterol stones accounting for 20% of cases. The etiology of common bile duct stones differs in the world. In the west, most common, in the west, most common bile duct stones are the result of migration. In the east, a far higher proportion arise in common bile duct denovium. The classical symptoms are colicky right upper quadrant pain that occur postprandially. The symptoms are usually worst following a fat meal when cholecystokinine levels are highest and gold bladder contraction is maximum. In all investigation, in almost all suspected cases, the standard diagnostic workup consists of abdominal ultrasound and liver function test of patients who have stones within the bile duct. 60% will have at least one abnormal result of liver function test. Ultrasound is an important test but is operator dependent and therefore may occasionally need to be repeated if a negative result is at odds with the clinical picture. 
Where stones are suspected in the bile duct, the options lie between magnetic resonance, cholangiography, or and intraoperative imaging. The choice between these two options is determined by the skills and the experience of the surgeon. The advantage of the intraoperative imaging are thus useful in marking the therapeutic decision if the operator is unhappy about preceding the bile duct exploration and in such circumstances preoperative MRCP is probably a better choice or option. Specific gallstones and gallbladder related disease. Disease number one is biliary colic features, colic abdominal pain, worse post brain daily, and worse after fatty food. Management if imaging shows gallstone and history compatible, then laparoscopic cholecystectomy. Number two, acute cholecystitis, which is inflammation in the gallbladder features, right upper quadrant pain, fever. Murphy signs on examination is positive. Murphy signs is mean, hold on inspiration when pressure breast on the right upper quadrant. Uh, occasionally mildly deranged liver function test, especially if Maurice syndrome, Maurice syndrome is obstructive of the duct extrinsically. Management of acute cholecystitis imaging, uh, ultrasound scan, and cholecystectomy ideally within 48 hours of presentation. Good bladder abscess features usually prodromal illness and upper and right upper quadrant pain, swing and pyrexia, patients may be systemically unwell, generalized peritonitis not present. Management imaging with ultrasonography scan, positive or minus CT scanning. Ideally, surgery, although a total polycystectomy will be needed if callo triangular is hostile. If unfit patient, percutaneous drainage may be considered. Number four, disease of gallbladder, gallstone is a cholangitis. Cholangitis is an infection in the biliary tract. Patients severely septic and unwell will have zones and right upper quadrant pain. Management flows, resuscitations, broad spectrum, intravenous antibiotic, correct any coagulopathy and early ERCP, which is endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography. Number five, uh, gallstone areas. Patients have a history of previous cholecystitis and known gallstone. Find small bowel obstruction may be intermittent. Management laparotomy and removal of the gallstone from small bowel. The enterotomy must be the enterotomy must be made proximal to the site of obstruction, as not at the site of obstruction. The fissure between the gallbladder and urinum should not be interfered with. E calculus cholecystitis patients with intermittent illness like diabetes or organ failure. Patients of systemically. Annual gallbladder inflammation in absence of stones and high fever. Management of a calculus cholecystitis if patients fit, then cholecystectomy. If unfit, then percutaneous cholecystectomy. Treatment asymptomatic gallstones, which are located in the gallbladder, are common and do not require treatment. However, if stones are present in the common bile duct, there is an increased risk of complications such as cholangitis or pancreatitis, and surgical management should be considered. Patients with asymptomatic gallstone rarely develop symptoms related to them less than 2% per year and may therefore be managed expectantly. In almost all cases of symptomatic gallstone, the treatment of a choice is cholecystitis performed via the laparoscopic route. In the very frail patients, there is sometimes a rule for the selective use of ultrasound-guided cholecystostomy. During the course of the procedure, some surgeons will routinely perform their intraoperative cholangiography to either confirm anatomy or to exclude common bile duct stone. The latter may be more easily achieved by use of laparoscopic ultrasound. If a stone are found 
Alright, if stones are found within the options lie between early RCP in the day or so following surgery or immediate surgical exploration of the bile duct, when performing there is a transistacrosis adds little in the way of morbidity and certainly result in faster recovery. Where transistic exploration fails, the alternative strategy is that of formal colidectomy. The exploration of a small duct is challenging and ductus of less than it mainly should not be explored. Some stones that measure less than 5 mm may safely lift them and most will pass spontaneously. Risk of ERCP is pleading 0.9 rise to 1.9, 1.5 if sphincterotomy performed in a vitreoidal preparation, 0.4%, number 3, cholangitis 1.1%, number 4, pancreatitis 1.5. Thanks. Post-cholecystectomy post syndrome. Post-cholecystectomy syndrome is recognized a complication of cholecystectomies, typically symptoms of dyspepsia, vomiting, pain, and flatulence, and diarrhea occur up to 40% patients post-surgery. The pathology behind the syndrome isn't complete clear. However, there is some association with remnant stones and biliary injury. Pain is often due to sphincter of OD dysfunction and the development of surgical adhesions. Management is often difficult but often involves low-fat diet and introduction of bile acid subsequent such as cholesterolamine to bind excess bile acid and thus preventing lower gastrointestinal sign. Proton pump inhibitor like lansoprazole do play a role if patient is complaining of dyspeptic-like symptoms. Antibiotic and pancreatic enzyme replacement play no part in management. Thanks. Acute appendicitis. Acute appendicitis is the most common acute abdominal condition requiring surgery. It can occur at any age but is most common in young people aged 10 to 20 years. Abdominal pain is seen in the vast majority of patients. Periumbilical abdominal pain, visceral stretching of the appendix lumen and appendix is a mid-gut structure leading to the right iliac fossa due to localized partial peritoneal inflammation. The migration of the pain from the center to the right iliac fossa has been shown to be one of the strongest indicators of appendicitis. Patients often report the pain being worse on coughing or going over speed bumps. Children typically cannot hop on the right leg due to pain. Other features, vomit once or vomit or twice, but marked and persistent vomiting is unusual. Diarrhea is rare, however, pelvic appendicitis may cause localized rectal irritation of some loose stones. Pelvic abscesses may also cause diarrhea. Mild pyrexia is common, which is usually 37.5 to 38. Higher temperature are more, more typical of conditions like mesenteric adenitis. Anorexia is very common, it is very, it is very unusual for patients with appendicitis to be hungry. Around 50% of patients have the typical symptoms of anorexia, periumbilical pain and nausea, followed by more or localized right lower quadrant pain. Examination generalized peritonitis if perforation has occurred or localized peritonitis. Retrocecal appendicitis may have relatively few signs. Digital rectal examination may reveal boogie sensation if pelvic abscesses is present or even right-sided tenderness with the pelvic appendix. Rosing sign palpitation on the left iliac fossa cause pain in the right iliac fossa is now thought to be in of a limited value. Prognosis typically raised inflammatory markers coupled with competitive history and examination findings should be enough to just 
to justify a pentectomy. Drophil predominant leukocytosis is seen in 80 to 90 percent. Tumor analysis useful to exclude pregnancy in women with narcotic and urinary tract infection. In patients with appendicitis, urinary analysis may show mild leukocytosis but no nitrates. Ultrasound is useful in female where pelvic organ pathology is suspected, although it is not always possible to visualize the appendix on ultrasound. Presence of free flow is always pathologically in males should raise suspicious. CT scan can widely or widely used in patients with suspected appendicitis in US, but this practice has not currently reached the UK due to concerns regarding excessive ionizing radiations and resources limitation. Management of appendicitis is appendectomy, which can be performed via either an open or laparoscopic approach. Laparoscopic appendectomy is now the treatment of a choice. Number two, administration of prophylactic intravenous antibodies reduce, reduces wound infection rates. Patients with reported appendicitis typically around 15 to 20 require copious abdominal lavage. Patients with peritonitis have, have, who have an appendix mass should receive broad-spectrum antibiotics and consideration going to performing an interval abdominectomy. Be wary in the older patients who may have either an under, underlying cecal malignancies or perforated sigmoid particular disease. Trials have looked at the use of intravenous antibiotics although in the treatment of appendicitis. The evidence currently suggests that while this disease is useful in the majority of patients, it is associated with a long hospital stay and up to 20% of patients go on to have an appendectomy within 12 months. Thanks. Diverticulosis. Diverticulosis is an extremely common disorder characterized by multiple outpouching of the bowel wall, most commonly in the sigmoid colon. Strictly speaking, the term diverticular disease is, re- is reserved for patients who are symptomatic. Diverticulosis is the more accurate term for diverticular being present. Risk factors of diverticulosis are number one, increasing age, number two, low fiber diet. Diverticulosis can present in a number of ways. Number one, painful diverticular disease, altered bowel habit, colicky left-sided abdominal pain, a high fiber diet is usually recommended to minimize symptoms. Diverticulitis, See more for details. Diverticulitis, one of the diverticula become infected. The classical presentation is number one, left iliac fossa, pain and tenderness, and anorexia, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Number four, features of infection like pyrexia and raised wild disease and CRP. Management of diverticulitis, mild attack can be treated with oral antibiotics. Number two, more significant episodes are managed in hospital. Patients are made nil by mouth, intravenous fluids, and intravenous antibiotics. Typically, cephalosporins and metronidazole are given. Complications of diverticulitis include abscess formation, peritonitis, obstruction, and perforation. So, diverticulosis is an extremely common disorder characterized by multiple outpouching of the bowel wall. Most commonly in the sigmoid colon, strictly speaking, the term diverticular disease is reserved for patients who are symptomatic. Diverticulosis is the more accurate term for diverticular 
being present, risk factors of diverticulosis are increasing age and low fiber diet. Diverticulosis can present in a number of ways. Painful diverticular disease, altered bowel habits, colicky left-sided abdominal pain. A high fiber diet is usually recommended to minimize symptoms. Number two, diverticulitis. Diverticulitis, one of the diverticula become infected. The classical presentation is Number one, lift iliac fossa pain and tenderness. Number two, anorexia, nausea, vomiting. Number three, diarrhea. Number four, features of infection like pyrexia and raised white disease and CRP. Management of diverticulitis. Mild attacks can be treated with oral antibiotics. Number two, more significant episodes are managed in hospital. Patients are made in by mouse, intravenous fluids, and intravenous antibiotics. Typical acephalosporin and metronidazole are given. Complication of diverticulitis includes abscess, includes abscess formation, perfor- peritonitis, obstruction, and perforation. Thanks. Refeeding syndrome. Refeeding syndrome describes the metabolic abnormalities which occur on feeding a person following a period of starvation. It occurs when an extended period of catabolism ends abruptly which with switching of carbohydrate metabolism. The metabolic consequences include number one hypophosphatemia, hypokalemia, hypomagnesemia may predispose to Tourette de Bois. Number four abnormal fluid balance. These abnormalities can lead to organ failure. Prevention Nice produce guidelines on nutritional support. Refeeding syndrome may be avoided by identifying patients at a high risk of developing refeeding syndrome. Patients are considered high risk if one of the one or more of the following if body mass index less than sixteen kilo per meter square, if unintentional weight loss more than fifteen percent over three to six months, if little nutritional intake more than ten days, if hypokalemia or hypophosphatemia or hypomagnesemia prior to feeding unless it's high. If two or more of the following, body mass index less than 18.5 or unintentional weight loss more than 10 days over 3 to 6 months, if little nutritional intake more than 5 days of history of alcohol abuse or drug therapy including insulin, chemotherapy or diuretics or antacids. Nice recommend that if a patient hasn't eaten for more than 5 days, aim to refit at no more than 50% of requirements for the first 2 days. So, refitting syndrome describes the metabolic abnormalities which occur on a feeding, on feeding a person following a period of starvation. It occurs when an extended period of catabolism ends abruptly with the switching to carbohydrate metabolism. The metabolic consequences include number one, hypophosphatemia or hypokalemia or hypomagnesemia, which is predisposed to torsade bois, or number four, abnormal fluid balance. These abnormalities can lead to organ failure. Prevention nice produce guidelines on nutrition support. Refeeding syndrome may be avoided by identifying patients at a high risk of developing refeeding syndrome. Patients are considered high risk if one of them or more of the following body mass index less than 16 kilo bear meter square or unintentional weight loss more than 15 over 3 to 6 months or little in nutritional intake more than 10 days. 
hypokalemia or hypophosphatemia or hypomagnesemia prior to feeding. If two or more of the following body mass index less than 18.5, if unintentional weight loss more than 10% over 3 to 6 months, if little nutritional intake more than 5 days, if alcohol abuse or drug therapy including insulin, chemotherapy, diuretics or antacids. Nice recommend that if a patient hasn't eaten for more than 5 days into refit, no more than 50% of requirements for the first 2 days. Thanks.